Hi everybody, this is Gad Saad. A few days ago I got back from a trip to Southern California, so I wanted to spend a few minutes discussing some of the highlights of the trip that are of relevance to many of the issues that I cover on this channel. Uh, number one, uh, last week I had uh, drinks, my whole family uh, was with me, uh, we had drinks with uh, Drew Pinsky, Dr. Drew, and his lovely wife. What a lovely couple. You know, you sometimes meet people for the first time, although Drew and I have been on each other's show and we've communicated in the past. This was the first time that we were meeting in person. And uh, just such a down-to-earth, humble, lovely guy. Uh, definitely consider him uh, a new, uh, very good friend. Uh, I hope to be able to spend a lot more time with him in the future. So that was uh, the first story. Second story, uh, so we spent a few days in Newport Beach. Then we made our way up north to the glorious uh, dystopian city known as Los Angeles. Uh, we were staying in downtown LA at a hotel and uh, uh, my wife... Uh, found out that there is a, she knows about my love for bookstores. There was an incredible uh, bookstore called The Last Bookstore, something to that effect. Apparently, it's a, a real uh, iconic bookstore in downtown LA. So we went to it, bought a whole bunch of really cool books. Let me show you some of them right here. Uh, well, I'll just show you one maybe uh, that I really thought was amazing right here. Hold on a sec. Oops, the books fell. This book right here, it's a biography of uh, Leonardo da Vinci, who's one of my big heroes, most notably because he was a true Renaissance man, a the, the ultimate Renaissance man, the Renaissance man, a true polymath. And uh, I got the book, I think this is a hardcover book, uh, for $5. So it was... It's so amazing to still be able to go to the few remaining used bookstores where you can just scavenge for that rare, uh, uh, you know, uh, jewel. Uh, so I bought a whole bunch of books. So that was another highlight. Then uh, I went and visited the wonderful folks at PragerU and uh, uh, we taped two clips, you know, those five minute clips. We taped two clips stemming from my forthcoming book, The Sad Truth About Happiness, Eight Secrets for Leading the Good Life. So I hope that, please head off now at the end of this clip and pre-order your copy. It really is very important to for a lot of people who are planning on buying the book to pre-order it because then when the first week sales come in, uh, if many people have already pre-ordered the book, the book can get on the bestsellers list and then that creates a domino effect. So please consider pre-ordering your, your book ASAP. And I think if you pre-order it, in, in many cases, you you know, you get a better deal, better price. So please do so. So it was really, really fun. It's very professional, very sort of, uh, you know, high production quality. There's a director of photography and a director and, you know, the makeup people and also, and actually my daughter, came with me and, and uh, uh, she really enjoyed seeing the process. It was a process that took about maybe four and a half, five hours for the entire, uh, you know, taping of the two clips. And then a couple of days later, I was invited uh, for the 
10th 10 year anniversary of the of CSER which is an acronym for Center for Economic and Social Research it's a center at USC now uh, the people who invited me the executive director of the center and some of the other uh, key people of the center were absolutely lovely uh, not only in my interaction with them prior to attending the the event the event basically was about you know the enlightenment <clears throat> and so i was talking about uh the deontological pursuit of truth you know and the the danger the slippery slope of having uh forbidden knowledge right you know don't do this kind of research because it's it, you shouldn't because of xyz and as many of you know i often draw a distinction between deontological ethics and consequentialist ethics and so i gave a a uh, an invited lecture on this topic uh and uh, so i wanted to talk for a few minutes about what transpired so first you know being someone who's you know been a professor for almost 30 years it doesn't take me long to read the uh, the temperature in a room and you know as i'm you know making a joke or you know making some uh, you know sharing some uh, shocking data i can tell how people are either receptive or not to what i'm saying if if i make a joke and it lands on very few ears then i know that the the audience is likely not predisposed to my message so already as i was giving my talk i noticed that there was a chilled reception from the great majority of the audience members but then when the uh when it was opened up to the q a actually before uh the q a there were two discussants that spoke i didn't know who those two discussants were one was you know quite reasonable she 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 was uh, she said some very nice things she offered some some feedback on, on various elements the second uh, discussant whom i didn't know it turns out somebody told me that you know i found out what that person's twitter handle was and that person turned out some to be someone that i had blocked a long time ago so apparently it was someone that you know had probably done something or said something in the past that warranted me you know blocking them and so i said oh okay well let me go because i i remember when i met the guy he seemed quite cold towards me as if you know it was, it was very very strange you know i'm, I'm a I have a very warm and affectionate personal style you know i'm gracious to people oh hi nice to meet you someone he was very very cold and so then i checked his uh someone pointed to his twitter handle and he's posting this is after he now remember this is someone who's been invited to be a discussant on my talk you know he's the the roasting of gad sad is complete now whatever and if you i'm sure that the the usc folks said that they will be sending me the the, the entire recording of today's event which of course i will then post on my platforms uh you'll decide whether he did a good job in quote roasting me but imagine how callous it is to actually meet me me i didn't know who the guy was i didn't even know it was someone that i had blocked uh, a young guy you know some kind of graduate philosophy student and he was he wasn't happy with my definition of post or my critique of postmodernism for him to you know be uh behind my back posting things that are derogatory about gad sad that's not exactly very professional but okay fine whatever 
So then when the Q&A started, the first guy who spoke is a, a well-known psychologist by the name of Norbert Schwartz. He comes up to the mic and he's seething. I mean, his, his voice is quivering with anger, with, with nervousness. And he's like, you are engaging in sleight of hands. You are engaging in sleight of hand. You are beguiling us. And he just goes into this kind of unhinged rant, which I didn't understand what he was saying. And then he basically says that, you know, something to the effect of, you know, but, I, but I'm not criticizing people on the, ref, on the right. You know, why aren't I saying that Donald Trump is a racist bigot? Which, of course, my talk has nothing, had nothing to do with the right or the left. The only time that I mentioned Donald Trump was when I was talking about faulty consequentialism. And I gave specific examples from so-called public intellectuals who said things like, you know, it's okay to have uh, suppressed Donald Trump's or, you know, kicked Donald Trump off of Twitter because, you know, his speech was too dangerous. So I was giving actual examples of faulty consequentialism. The, the talk had nothing to do with Donald Trump. It had nothing to do with, you know, uh, right or left and so on. But the, the the level of, you know, he can't breathe. He He's so nervous. He's so upset. He's so triggered by me. Just was incredible. And then there were four or five other people, all of whom were, you know, quite hostile. Now, hostile doesn't mean that they were, you know, in, insulting me and throwing tomatoes at me, but you could sense that, you know, how hostile they were. So much so that my family, my children, my daughter came up and said, oh my God, what what's going on? You know, my, my family was amazed that I could stay so calm. And I stayed completely calm and collected throughout the whole barrage. And even many of the organizers came up to me uh, to say, we, and many, several audience members who, who were fans of my work said, boy, hats off to you for staying so calm. Another person, young person, got up and was very, very upset that I would engage in such uh, corrosive and uh, problematic speech, like saying that, you know, men don't bear children and that men don't menstruate. And so I, I asked her very politely, I said, okay, so you think that if I'm in a, if I'm teaching about natural and sexual selection, I'm talking about you know, all of the Darwinian things that I would be typically talking about in an evolutionary psychology course, I would be on tenuous truth grounds if I were to say that women bear children. And then, of course, there she's equivocating. But again, it's not as though the audience, the audience members laughed her out of the room. They were on board the, the language that I was engaging in when I was talking about, you know, I can walk and chew gum at the same time. I can support the rights of all people to live free of bigotry, including trans people. Trans people are not uniquely special. Everybody deserves the right to live free of bigotry. That doesn't mean that we murder and rape truth in the pursuit of that goal. Uh, anyways, my talk will be up and you can judge for yourself if there was anything controversial in it. There, there's not, not a syllable is controversial. So she got very upset. And then, uh, you know, another person was upset about my, you know, discussion of social constructivism. Uh, another person later in the round table discussion at the end of the day uh, thought, but but what do you mean? It's totally reasonable to, to have gotten rid of Donald Trump because Donald Trump lies. He lies. You know, he, he, he incited violence on a national level. 
and to which when I tried to answer that, oh, because other politicians don't lie, then I think it was Norb Schwartz, the original guy, started heckling me, started screaming in the audience. It was really just amazing. Uh, uh, another person uh, began by saying, you know, he's a gay Hispanic researcher. What does that have to do with anything? When I when I present, when I introduce myself, I don't say I am a heterosexual Lebanese Jewish man of Mizrahi descent because it's irrelevant with whom I have sex and what my identity is if I'm trying to make a scientific point. But he said that he thought that it was, you know, crazy that I was against the regulation of speech and to to give an example of the types of corrosive speech that he deemed offensive, he went back again to the fact that this idea that men don't get pregnant and that, you know, uh, that, that's, that's, that's language that should be regulated. And I reminded the audience that it was quite extraordinary. Again, maybe some of the details, uh, I'm getting slightly off you. Hopefully the whole thing will will be available on tape. But the general gist is that I said, so you think that at a conference on the Enlightenment, you think it is a good idea to state that there should be regulated speech? And who would do the regulating? Me? You? So it was astonishing. And again, the best way to judge that is to look at people who are otherwise very young and innocent, my children, my daughter was begging me, please, please, can I go and 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 def defend you against these people who who were attacking you? So you know when your children are, you know, uh, disturbed by the level of, uh, ins again, the insults are not, you're ugly, you're you know, right? It, it's it's in the way, it's it's the hostility, it's the vitriol, it's. Every single person had a quivering voice. Like, they're so angry. What are you angry about? I'm defending freedom of speech. I'm defending freedom of inquiry. I'm defending individual dignity. I'm defending personal agency. I'm arguing that there are no, there is no forbidden knowledge when it comes to science. So one guy, by the way, said, "Well, all of my colleagues and I, you know, they're very, hmm, they're very disturbed by me." And he wants to know whether I here's he's going to give me this shocking example of a paper that was published and whether he thought that that paper should not have been retracted because it's too dangerous. Hence, it should be forbidden knowledge. Uh, so if I got my de if I remember my de his details properly, he was saying that there was some paper in a political science journal, if I'm not mistaken, whereby they they found that in neighborhoods where military had engaged in the most brutal shelling, people were less likely to then fight. And he said, and basically he's saying, but don't you think that that's information that would be dangerous if it falls in the wrong hand? Because then I get, I guess the presumption is that that would then cause, you know, people to engage in this behavior. Right. Because no one, no one would otherwise know that if you shell a place with great, uh, uh, you know, viciousness, then that reduces the will of people to fight. Oh my God, there's cause and effect in life. We should forbid this kind of research. 
So I thought not only was it an extraordinarily tepid example, but then I said, well, no, I don't think that should have been pulled. And as a matter of fact, by that logic, you know, physics needs to be canceled because if you're giving examples with weaponry, right, shelling, well, uh, it's physics and ballistics research that led to the, uh, and you know, weaponry research that led to the dropping of atomic bombs by the United States on Japan, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And therefore, let's, you know, cancel, ban physics. And, you know, he kind of rolls his eyes and so on. Uh, so that's that's number one. Number two, you know, usually when I go to these uh, events, frankly, I'm accosted by, you know, countless people, all of whom are, are fans. They, I mean, now, that doesn't mean that everybody in an audience, you know, is a fawning fan, but, you know, people will come up. Oh, I loved your talk. I love, you know, can I... Uh, can I shake your hand? Can Hey, can I talk to you? Even people who disagree with me will come up. They're polite. They're nice. They We engage. You know, we had dinners, uh, you, you know, after the event. There were there was coffee breaks. There was a charcuterie and drinks break. And so as I would walk around the room, it was really quite laughable. Like people would turn away, turn their back away, roll their eyes. I would walk into the bathroom Usually, you know, because people saw you as one of the, the plenary speakers, they would say hello to you or something. Complete iced, chilled reception. Now, I was just smiling. I was totally warm. I didn't care. And as I said, there were certainly the organizers were very much uh, supporters of, of everything that uh, I stood for. But again, imagine that, you know, you have to actually experience this kind of you know, passive aggressive, sometimes overtly aggressive, sometimes passively aggressive reaction from these folks. There is nothing that I said that should cause such, you know, triggered anger and, you know, so much unhinged reactions and, you know, ignoring me and rolling their eye. I mean, really, it was quite uh, baffling. Uh, now, of course, then I someone tells me on Twitter, oh, that someone was saying, "Oh, I was at the at the event, and the people were not unhinged. People were very nice." And then, of course, find out she's got her she in her, you know, bio, and she's a biologist who said that, "Oh, you know, I don't, I the people were upset because I don't understand the difference between you know biological sex and gender. Oh, you know, other than this academic best-selling book where I spend the entire book talking about." biology versus the standard social science model which of course recognizes the difference between so-called gender and biological sex it was laughable it was ridiculous again this in no way takes away from how great the the raison d'etre of the event was which was you know the the, the as i said the people from caesar center for economic uh, and social research the executive director and a, and a few of the other uh, researchers there, just pure class, real intellectuals, down-to-earth, humble, open-minded. But the general zeitgeist of USC, my God, I even received a private message from a very, very prominent professor, a Stanford professor who said, I'm paraphrasing, but my God, you've got courage to, to go to that den and speak uh, on the types of issues that you speak of, you know, hats off to you for defending freedom and 
you know, beauty and truth and so on. So there you have it, folks. The battle is hardly won. You know, uh, last semester I was invited to speak at Stanford at an academic freedom conference, which was great. But there, I, I think that led me to kind of overestimate uh, how many people are on the side of reason, logic, you know, the scientific method and so on, because everyone in the audience was actually friendly because you had to register, uh, you know, to be. And so they, you know, you, you didn't have uh, a whole slew of really angry people, angry that I would say such corrosive things that I would engage in, you know, the sleight of hand, as Norbert Schwartz said. Uh, it's just unbelievable, you know. So, uh, as I said, you know, when I sometimes engage people on social media, I can be spicy. But when I go and I'm, I have my professorial hat at an event, I'm very, very measured, very calm, very professorial. So nothing ever phases me. I stayed calm. I stayed smiley. I stayed polite. Uh, and I really can't wait. Uh, they, they promised me, the USC people promised me that they will be sending me the file of the recordings. And then, of course, uh, I've asked them and they, they, they agreed that, you know, I can post them on my platforms so you'll be able to see it for yourselves and by the way as i said my daughter uh, my family in general uh, but my daughter uh, was listening to what people were saying about me behind my back and you know she's a child so she's angry people are talking garbage about her dad you could see a real honey badger she wanted to go daddy can i go and tell them what i think of them and so on which, by the way, of course, makes me very proud that I have such a honey badger daughter. Daughter, But imagine that people are speaking like that about me behind my back in front of my children. Oh, he's full of shit. He's an asshole. He's this, that. One point, someone got very upset because when I was telling the story that I've often told about the graduate student who had come to us uh, for dinner, who was a graduate student of... Uh, uh, postmodernism, women's study, and cultural anthropology. And I answered, ah, ah, oh, I see. So the Holy Trinity of bullshit. So, you know, someone got upset that I used the word bullshit. Uh, you know, people thought I was like this, this extremist, this full of shit guy, this, you know, and so on. And my family, of course, was very upset by it. My, my wife uh, was a bit more uh, measured because, she, she, you know, she she knows about some of the stuff that I'm exposed to. Uh, but my children uh, had never seen this kind of, you know, you know vitriol. <laughs> I'm so angry. My voice is quivering. You're such an extremist. Uh, but hey, look at this. Look. The woke, I rubbed them off my shoulder. They're insignificant. As, you, as the saying goes, lions don't pay attention to the opinions of sheep. But... I'm very, very thankful that I was invited to this event. Uh, I enjoyed meeting many of the people there. Uh, it certainly is a good sign that such an event was held, and apparently the dean of that college at USC is a supporter of many of the points that I was making. So there is hope, people, but there's a lot of work left to be done. There you have it. As I said, once the uh, once I received the recording, assuming that they don't somehow find a way to make them disappear, uh, then I will be posting these on this platform. 
if you enjoy my content, if you'd like to support my work, you know what to do. Thank you all so much. I appreciate all of the wonderful messages that I receive from so many people. And I will continue to fight so that your children and mine can grow up in an environment where the faux compassionate don't rule as fascist authoritarians. Take care, everybody. Cheers.